0: to Another episode of Setting the Tone in ER Retrospective, the show where we do a chronological breakdown of every episode of our favorite TV medical drama. My name is Elizabeth, and joining me today, as always, are Lauren. Hello. And Daniel. Hey. Today, we're discussing season 5, episode 12, which is titled Double Blind. The episode aired on January 21st, 1998. Lauren, what was going on that week 22 years ago?
1: Oh, uh, you want to try that year again?
0: The episode aired on January 21st, 1999. Lauren, what was going on that week 22 years ago?
1: The Sopranos, the mega-hit mafia drama show starring the late James Gandolfini, debuts over on HBO. Holy shit. The greatest basketball player of all time, Michael Jordan, announces his second retirement. The 1999 Super Bowl is set as the Denver Broncos and Atlanta Falcons win their respective conference championship games.
0: I believe this is the one where, like, that on How I Met Your Mother, where, like, whenever um, they go to the Vikings bar,
1: yes. everyone just goes, damn!
2: <laughs> that was the that was the NFC Championship game that year the uh, Vikings were really good and I think they were 15 and 1 that year actually as I recall and the only field goal that the guy the kicker for the Vikings missed the entire season was the last field goal in the NFC Championship game picked the worst possible time to miss <laughs> and uh and this was also a very shitty Super Bowl the uh, Broncos kicked the absolute ever loving shit out of the Falcons spoilers was, yeah uh
1: Varsity Blues starring James Vanderbeek Paul Walker and John Voight debuts and takes the number one spot at the box office. And Have You Ever by Brandy takes over the top spot on the music charts.
2: As for what else was on that evening at 8 p.m., friends with the episode The One with Chandler's Work Laugh. At 8.30, Jesse returns with a, I'm, what I can only assume is a very late Christmas episode here, The Mischievous Elf uh checking in almost at the end of january uh one month after christmas with the christmas episode great good on you jesse uh at 9 p.m frazier with the episode our parents ourselves and at nine thirty p.m veronica's closet with the episode veronica's desk job This week's episode had 30.4 million viewers tuning in. Uh, This week's episode is directed by Dave Comedis doing his one and only episode as a director. Um, He also operated the Steadicam between 1996 and uh, 99. He's actually, uh, he may have actually been doing double duty on this episode. I'm not sure. He might have been behind the camera and also um, directing um he took over for if you have not already heard it our most recent interview with uh guy B who is the oh. steady cam operator for the first 3 seasons this guy took over for him okay uh and this week's episode is written by Carol Flint doing her 13th out of 15 previous ones of hers from this season were hazed and confused and split second nice
0: and just before we get into the episode real quick we'd like to give a special shout out to executive producer Mary L she has been an absolute gem um and so so supportive of, of us from pretty much almost the very beginning i,
1: I want to say she was one of the first listeners who ever reached out to us definitely one of the first people on our patreon and yeah she she gave us a special surprise for our 100th episode so we just want to say thank you mary yeah
0: we always love hearing for from her and we always <laughs> love whatever whenever we interact with her it's always a great time so. i
1: I think she is world record holder for the most amount of hoops films or those merchandise in one household <laughs> other than where the stickers are kept here. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I my my power hungry madness is ever my ego is ever um, inflated by Mary buying stuff with my face yeah. on it.
0: So thank you very much. And we hope we do enough to earn your support all the way through all 15 seasons. Uh, but getting into this episode proper uh, let's go our previously on is by Doug and uh, Carrie is cooking dinner with Carter Carter cooking <laughs> Oof. Let's see if rich white boy can do this um, they're having Lucy over for a meal because Carrie believes it's important for the educational process mm-hmm. to like because he's basically she's basically being handed off from Carter to Benton. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, as she starts her surgical rotation today and, or the next day, whenever, yeah. whenever it happens to be. And just Carrie believes it's, it's important to have everyone involved with the transition and it helps with student teacher relations.
1: Where Carter was just going to take her out for pizza.
0: Yeah. And Carter's bemoaning the fact like, oh damn, she's finally actually useful. And then I have to ship her away. And Carrie chimes in the instant students learn enough to be of use to us, they Move on to another rotation. (laughs) Ain't that the damn truth. And Carter, predictably, is fucking useless in the kitchen.
1: I love how she finally goes, just chill the wine.
0: Yeah. (laughs) He keeps trying to, like, seed cucumbers and put in stuff in the blender, and it's not going well. I was
2: really bummed out that we didn't get to see, like, the payoff to this. Like, I wanted to see that dinner so badly. Like, I think that would have been, I think there could have been so much potential for, you know, comedy gold, especially like Benton trying to like subtly tell stories about Carter as a student and Lucy getting some insight into what his backstory was
1: like. There was at least two to three minutes of useless shit in this episode yep. that could have been done with this dinner.
2: We can certainly get into that as we go along. But yep. yeah, there, there, there's plenty of fat on this episode that you could have trimmed off that you would have been able to fit in at the end to uh, get to a very pleasant Very nice, memorable moment, and instead they chose to go another direction. I'm not sure why,
0: especially with all as much um chemistry that Kelly Martin seems to have with Eric LaSalle in this episode. Yeah, yeah, I think that would have been an excellent, excellent scene, but alas, we get fat jokes instead.
1: Uh, Uh, but from there, we get uh, Doug is working with a kid who's testing out some crutches, and we find out that um, they're He's talking to the dad, and we find out that they're doing a double-blind study for a pain drug for kids with fractures. And, I like, and the dad's like, sure, that it's that the kid has like the real drug and not the codeine and Tylenol, because it's working so well. And Doug's like, well, I don't know, it's a double-blind, blah, 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 ha, huh? name of the episode. Um, Is this before, like, opiates? Like It wouldn't well, have been
2: no. before, but certainly opiates would have been, like, we're at the... We're at the the dawn, I would yeah. say, of the opioid they've, crisis. Because like, they've they've okay.
1: already mentioned it a few times, like with you know chasers and stuff, and like turkeys and people coming yeah. looking for meds. So it's happening, but it's not the epidemic it is today.
0: Yeah, because they just they gave they gave me a bunch of Norco's and said take Tylenol after those run out to, mm. for my fracture pain when I broke my arms. Yep. Yeah.
1: Uh, but then we find out Jeannie is going to be in late because she had a late night out with Reggie the night before. Ooh. Jerry is DJing on the Intracom, starting with some Metallica. This is my favorite. (laughs) fucking thing this episode
0: is the master of puppets was the song i have no idea uh, yeah i think it might have been
1: i didn't but, clip it out
0: because i do not want to guess dcm uh, I, I know i
2: i kind of yeah. wonder like i wonder if this episode is harder to syndicate mm. or, or or maybe cost more to get put on a, a dvd set than other episodes because they have i mean i don't know i don't know what it, the difference is with the music rights as, as if it's part of a um soundtrack or if it's diegetic like if it because here it's it's intended to be diagenic it's played over a pa system so but i'm I'm sure lauren has thoughts
1: i don't have thoughts i studied this and let's see what i remember my music uh my music business kids can yell at me for how wrong i am so (laughs) basically um in general it's likely just going to cost more because when you're buying the episode when you're buying the rights to the song you're buying the rights for the episode which is fine but within that
2: Distribution.
1: Right. There are separate licenses that you get that have become more common because back when music uh, supervision and music um, addition into TV shows was becoming popular, we weren't necessarily having the box sets of VHSs. We weren't necessarily having the DVDs. We weren't necessarily having streaming. The most they had to worry about was potentially syndication so they might factor that cost in but now the um the contracts today at least from back when i was in school you know 7 years ago it was becoming more of a commonly negotiated thing to say okay you you're paying this much to use the episode or to use the song in general mm-hmm. you're paying this additional fee in order to get it placed if you want to use it for the um for like distribution rights and that's why the wonder years had such a problem mm-hmm was because they paid for the original air use of the songs right but in those original contracts it was never negotiated for distribution so that's why it was going to cost them so much to go back and have the original music put back in and that's why yeah. everybody got so mad about the fake songs that were put in for Oof, these streaming yeah those so were bad that's that's the gist there's my college education put to use i don't <laughs> get to do that that often but yeah, so that's the long-winded answer to your question is this probably did cost them more.
0: Yeah. yeah. So part of me wonders if that's why it took so long to be streaming somewhere. Mm-hmm. Was not only this song, but like... Yeah, certainly a variety Day. of stuff. Like, we were streaming on Hulu and it was Metallica. Yeah. Right, yeah.
2: And, and we were talking about that when Green Day popped up, that that yeah. was sort of them dipping their toe into the licensed music arena that they would really kind of jump head first into once you get into the later seasons
1: but yeah I don't believe diegetically versus straight up soundtrack would make a difference if it's playing it's playing
2: yeah okay
1: yep uh but then Lynette comes in and you know says oh is this Metallica and Jerry goes oh I didn't expect you to be a you know metal fan and she goes I'm not this isn't allowed in my house that's how I know (laughs) but she's talking about an STI presentation and little like mini session she wants to do through the clinic and Carol's like oh uh okay uh, what? Completely blindsided by this. So that's going to be another through line for this episode. And Mark is coming down the L steps. He runs into ANSPAW and they're talking about the NASA offer. So I guess this was a real thing. It would be a full year of training in Houston. And Mark wants to take time off to go do it. ANSPAW desperately does not want to run the department without Mark. And he says, you know, what would it take for you to stay? And Mark says, oh, I want tenure. And Spa thinks about it and goes... Well, we could put you up for tenure in three years. We could fast track you. Did anybody? And did yep. anybody do the math on that? Yep. Yeah. I looked at Lizzie immediately, and I was like, "That'd be season eight. Yeah. Yep. Uh, not great, Bob. Nope. Not great.
0: Although you can you can understand his desperation in the wake of the Amanda Lee debacle. Uh, yes.
2: Excuse you, debacle. Let's
0: debacle. not. What?
1: <laughs> What's? Oh yeah, that's how that <laughs> the Lizzie Corday it.
0: pronunciation. Oh yeah. Um, and then we're in with some bangs. Tenure equals bangs, I guess. Um, <laughs> okay.
2: Tenure, is, tenure is bang worthy.
0: Yeah, sure, there's a lot there. <laughs> uh, Corday is showing Lucy around because you know Corday's the intern, Ben's the resident. So um, now we have a now we have a lovely med student. Um, Corday and Lucy also have an excellent rapport yes. with one another. Um, maybe it's because. They're letting her, like, be a doctor. Mm-hmm. They're, like, letting her stre- stretch her wings, and, like, they're asking her stuff, like, more complex stuff that someone with a mind like Lucy seems to would have a better grasp on. And
1: she's not being just talked down to the whole time.
0: I know. And she doesn't even have her little computer, so we're really proud of her here. She do- she's doing well. Her not- palm doc. Her palm doc, Yes. Romano sees them and says that he insisted she get a decent student but so she, so she has help with the scut and Lucy just very cheerfully says I live for the scut so, <laughs> <laughs> um I suppose hey she knows she's a me- she's a third year she knows she's a third year medical student that's gonna be her life mm-hmm. um and uh she's trying uh, she's trying to get in on a good well is Corday trying to get her Romano, on a good surgery? Romano
1: is trying to get Corday on a good surgery. Ah, I'm sorry, I I I always do this when there's more than like 3 characters as I keep using pronouns without actually clarifying who's who. That's fine. So yeah, Romano is trying.
0: Yeah. And he's trying to get uh, Corday's fellowship reinstated. Hmm. So, then they make a joke about after he leaves, they make a joke about uh, Romano's only staring at women's breasts as far as Corday knows.
2: <laughs> oh boy oh boy about time we address that isn't it about time mm-hmm. we address uh, Romano's proclivities for sexual harassment this definitely won't make him no. act out of character in any way whatsoever and won't be frustrating uh, we go from there uh, Doug is talking to Carol about uh, grants applied for the clinic and how she's the boss to approve what is applied for not Lynette so the power struggle continues in the Hathaway Clinic uh, Jerry's still doing his DJ act trying to reduce stress in chairs uh here it is folks the uh unfortunate bit of business here at the beginning of the episode Uh, our first trauma a 36 year old woman uh clearly overweight they're making a lot of jokes about it as they get the gurney in uh talking about needing a wench and other such things um we find out that paramedics are being added to fire trucks, which uh, makes no one happy about the change. Uh, Doris, I believe, is. Uh, Doris actually gets quite a bit to do this episode. Mm-hmm. It was kind of mm-hmm. nice. Um. So yeah, this is, this sucks. Let's just say it off the top. This whole little, we're going to have this here and there's another, there's a little bit more in just a Mm -hmm. moment as we will circle back to. Uh, This sucks. It's stupid. It goes nowhere. It means nothing. You could get rid of it and everyone would be happier and better. And
1: there was something about a fire here too. Like not only does she have allergic reaction, but she has, there was something about a fire because the guy comes in, one of the firefighters has like singed mustache. So it means smoke inhalation.
2: Right, yeah. Yeah, and I think that that little bit of it is the only part that matters.
1: Right. And they because could have framed it It's barely even framed in a cohesive way.
2: Right. Yeah, that little bit th- that is the part that you are um that you should pay attention to or that you that you really need to pay attention to for later in the episode and yet that's the bit that they kind of just brush past so that they can go make more fat jokes in a yeah. minute. And that's what sucks because it's like if you're going to do that, which I would prefer if you didn't, but if you're going to do that, at least make it worth it. Like at least make it count narratively at least make there be a reason why and make somebody learn something from it and they don't do any of that this is just for fun and that's what sucks but like i said we'll circle back to that uh we go from here to carol uh working with an elderly man who passed out and fell uh his home aide found him and brought him in uh we find out that he's end stage pancreatic cancer which he says i keep hoping end stage means it can't get any worse uh yeah this guy's real pitiful but very good though i really like i I like his character and i like this actor a lot too we'll get into that in just a second too uh carol's gonna get him hydrated and they're gonna try to call his son and as she's stacking up his belongings she finds a joint uh oh scandal it's the 90s we're still scared of marijuana uh it helps with it it helps with nausea of course and uh carol's a homie she pretends she saw nothing so uh in our Cancer patient here, Mr. Ackerman, is played by actor Dick Miller, who appeared in stuff like Terminator, The Burbs, and Gremlins, among many, many other things. 184 credits to his name, dating all the way back to 1955. Wow. Yeah, total oh, hey, it's that guy. Like, has a very distinctive face. Uh, and he was acting right up until his death, pretty much. He died in 2019, so only just a couple of years ago um and was pretty active right up until uh he passed away so
0: he knew so he got out of of, got out of dodge uh
1: you know you know what other movie he's in that a couple of our other uh extras have been in what's that small soldiers
2: Uh, hey there you go oh that's right yes he's the um the shopkeeper yeah 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 yeah. the the delivery guy that's right the delivery guy
1: yep so there you go
2: absolutely
0: right god that movie's so dumb but i love it
1: i thank you yes
0: um, then we go over back to our, air quotes, trauma. Um, because, <laughs> the only
2: trauma here is on the audience.
0: Yeah, that's, that's what I was, gonna, I was just going to say that. Um, yeah, team's working on the overweight woman. And, okay, I have to ask this question. Friend of the show, Connie, does she <laughs> ask for all of the shitty takes and lines that are just, even in 99 would be just very shitty for someone to say. Or is that just happenstance? Well,
2: I the only thing I would say is that I would push back on the notion that even in '99 this would be a, a considered a shitty thing. This was this was half of sitcom humor in '99. Fair enough. Uh, so I, to me, I don't think anybody thought twice about this as a plot point at the time. I think it's just looking back on it in hindsight, we're like, damn, this is really like they're really mean to this lady. And I think of all the nurses, I think Connie is the one that probably makes the most sense in this case because like yes lydia can do the sassy bit but like i don't know there's there's also something very distinctly 90s and very distinctly network tv about the like sassy black woman trope of like saying the like uncomfortable thing that like it just i don't know there's something very like of the of the time that wouldn't make sense any in any other context and so I'm I would and part of that could just be personal bias that I'm hoping that she's not asking for these lines, you know. And I <laughs>
1: I wouldn't think she was. I would no, think that, I like either. you like you said, we Lydia's been known to occasionally say some really insensitive shit, but um not nearly as often and it wouldn't be Halle because Halle's heavier at this point. So of course true. Connie. Connie.
2: Yeah, and is also fully not back yet either. Right. So, yeah, yeah. I, I think of all the choices there, I mean, and you're certainly not going to give this to, like, Chuni or or Lily right. or Yosh or any, like, none of the other Definitely nurses. Definitely not Yosh. None of the other nurses really make sense. And so it's kind of, I think your choices come down to Connie or um, Lydia.
0: Well, yeah. Fair. But, yeah, Connie's incredibly fat phobic. So are the paramedics. This patient doesn't matter. She has an allergic reaction, so she's intubated. Good for her.
1: Yep.
0: Is this the only time. other time
2: we see her? Yep. 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 They, they dropped this completely after this, and that's what's so frustrating about it, because like we said at the top, we don't get that dinner at the end, and you could have easily cut this whole bit out here, just said, just had any old trauma, just said that there was a firefighter with smoke inhalation, 30-second bit, and moved on to the next thing, and you would preserved a solid three to four minutes of screen time for the end of the episode for that dinner. Yep. I don't know why.
1: And I want to know whose films are those, because the whole time that they're in there, they're talking about how if Radiology has an extra, extra large film... So they clearly aren't hers because they might not have films big enough. <laughs> I'm so This makes me so mad. And like when they say, oh, you know, I bet she's I bet she's 275. I'm like, no, no, that's the way they have her bulked up. She has to weigh way more than that. Cause, I was going to
0: say, because I'm six foot and 270 right. pounds and I'm nowhere near. Right. Like this woman.
1: So unless she's my height in two seventy-five. That would be even the that only it wouldn't way.
0: be that much.
1: I I would look closer to Nope, I was about to do another Grace character reference. God, I can't <laughs> stop. I was gonna say I'd be closer to Bailey. Okay. If I was two seventy five, probably.
0: But even she's smaller yeah. than this woman. Yeah. Anyway, but in terms so of it's figure.
1: It's bullshit, it's bullshit, it's bullshit. Daniel was waiting for me to go off on it, but he did it all for me he knew I was going to be furious this episode because, yeah, this is a waste of space, waste of air. Our characters are all so much better than this.
2: Come ne- on. Needlessly mean.
1: Yep. Cruelty is not often one that they go on with on this no. show. And when they do, it just it sticks out like a sore thumb and it's awful.
0: Well, this thing doesn't matter, so let's move on.
1: Uh, so then we go on to Mark is talking to Carter and says, Carter needs to go teach a patient doctor class on how to take H&Ps for second years. Carter says it's bullshit and that he hated the class when he did it. And Mark's like, well, you get to hate it from a whole new angle now. And Carter asks if Lucy gave him a bad evaluation. Mark replies that it was a fair evaluation.
2: And uh, say goodbye to Carter, because that's basically the last time you see him this episode. That is very true. This is a very light Carter episode.
1: Yep. Um... Lucy is then running a the summary of their patient to Lizzie and Benton, which she does a great job. Good job, Lucy. Uh, Mr. Barnes says he is roughly 140 years old and has survived the Civil War.
2: <laughs> and is also adorable. Can we yes. put that in his patient notes? Because Mr. Yes. Barnes is adorable. Uh, played by actor Bill Henderson here, who uh, starting continuing the theme for Mr. Ackerman is also no longer with us. Um, as you might might have guessed by his age here. Um, I but mean, at he,
1: 140, yeah. Well, I did,
2: Right? You know, he, he lived a good long life. Uh, but he was in stuff like Clue, City Slickers, and Maverick. He uh, was with us all the way up until 2016, so he's only been gone a few years. But I love Mr. Barnes so much. Like, this is a, a, just a sweet little storyline in this episode. It gives Lucy and Benton a chance to play off of each other, and they get to do it around such a pleasant, you know, sweet guy. I'm just... Very, very here for Mr. Barnes. Uh, we see Carrie asking if Benton is going to make it to the dinner tonight that we still don't get to see and I'm still upset about uh, because they need to compile their sternal saw data. So the sternal saw study is still going on. Try to say that five times fast. Sternal, sternal saw study.
0: Sternal saw study.
2: <laughs> uh, we go back to Mr. Barnes, who's now up and walking around yep. just to keep from stiffness. Uh he helps the older people in his neighborhood and the children. Uh, he was brought. I don't think we mentioned he was brought in uh, because he had chest pain and stuff from or his, something with his arthritis or chest pain. He was trying to like push start his car. Yep. So
0: his rheumatoids were acting up. I
2: believe. Yeah, and I can't remember if it's here or later in the episode, but Lucy points out that the registration on his car was from 1956. It's later, so, yeah, but yeah. still amazing. Yeah. Uh, we find out he has a potential blockage in his neck that is putting him at risk of stroke. Uh, but he says that he can't be killed because he has a conjure on him. And Benton is like... <laughs> Eric LaSalle, too, also yes. plays off of this man incredibly well. Like, he looks like he has genuine joy on his face when he gets to play off of this guy.
1: I want a whole side episode mini series of Lucy, Benton, and Charlie. Yes. Just hanging out.
2: Just these three together is is... Pitch perfect. Um, he he's, can see the look on Benton's face, how incredulous Benton is, and says, "You know, Benton is a man of science, and that's why he won't believe uh, in Charlie's real age." And Lucy helpfully suggests a psych consult. Which is it? Is it here where he's like, "Is that the doctor for loonies or something?" <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> he just rolls his oh, eyes. Yeah. He's so good. I love him.
1: Her her clap back on it later is also amazing when yeah. the psych consult's done. But we'll get into that.
0: And now we go over to Corday talking to Carrie about Romano. Uh, They're talking about sexual harassment. Uh, Corday says, It's very American to turn these things into lawsuits over personal feelings. Lizzie. Which is is funny because Lauren and I, we just introduced a friend to ER. And one of the episodes we watched is where Corday. The thing happens oh th- no well no or corday <laughs> is back in england mm-hmm. and you see oh, yeah. her with the old boys club of england so seeing her and seeing how that was part a large part of her training you can make se- it makes sense what her
1: background why- is
0: yeah what why her attitudes towards such a thing but yes would be like this also
1: where the thing happens and our <laughs> friend was like wow that's very intense and we were like it's not all like this yeah but um yeah
0: We've made a I think we've made a new fan or at least a new someone to watch on watch on Hulu. Um
1: considering he has a who's fix or not who's fix whose films are those sticker. Yeah. He better be.
0: Um should have given him a magnet. Um but Carrie says Carrie is the almsman, which I have no idea what that means. We we
1: talked about this earlier on in the series. Mark was the almsman for a while, I think. I do like, sort of it, va- have a vague like, memory of that. Yeah. It's basically like the doctor representative for the staff. Oh. Yeah. We, i remember having to google it while we were recording yeah. on an early episode I,
0: oh yeah yeah, so, yeah I, I
2: think this is the first time it's ever come up since then though yeah so yeah. now carrie
1: is the almsman it yeah. used to be Mark dude 2020
0: was... was such a blur i don't even know
1: <laughs> could have even been in 2019 who knows
0: there's a lot going on
1: um but anyway but yeah
0: she's the almsman for the staff and is trying to gather data about a potential sexual harassment lawsuit um, we don't hear who filed the complaint, but they will be prohibited from working romano and with Romano and vice versa, so you could probably wager a guess.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Does anybody hear that? Is that the uh the already limited time of Maggie Doyle on the show coming to an end
1: there is there is a part about that that I want to uh, talk about when we when we get there um but then Joy brings Ricky back in. He's constipated and hasn't had a bowel movement and I believe it was, three days. Oof. And she, w- she wasn't able to disimpact him at home this time, which she is usually able to do. She believes it's because of the morphine for his pain because he stopped speaking a week ago. So she can't really tell like when he's in pain what he needs as much anymore. So she's just kind of doing her best here. Um, then a gentleman comes in with his wife. They were driving on Michigan Avenue, and he just passed out. But we find out he hit his head earlier and seemed okay, and the paramedics were examining him, but there was a fire, and they got called away because of this new paramedic on the fire truck rule. And Mark asks uh, Jerry to find out which unit responded.
2: It Seems like a flaw in the
0: system, does it not? A little bit. A little bit. A little bit. Uh, and Carol's talking with Joy. Uh, the respite care has been super helpful. She's been able to take a shower and take a nap.
1: <laughs> I mean, for a lot of caregivers, that is a huge deal. Oh, it yeah, is. Absolutely, both, yeah. Both new moms and uh, elder care and also uh, chronic illness patient yeah. caregivers.
0: Huge it's deal. Just, it's it's one of the ways that I've been extremely pur- privileged in my life, that I've never had to do that. And
1: My brain went, never had, had to discuss- take a shower? Yeah, No, like, <laughs> I never had to...
0: <laughs> be such be such an intense caregiver for someone.
2: Yeah, you realize how much that you take that stuff for granted, you know? Like, taking something as
0: simple as taking a shower or a nap, you know? Yeah, and Lauren has been that for me, so. Uh,
1: oh, very rarely, and it was very short-term. That's
0: fair. It was only for a few—it was only for, like,
1: four, it was th- four weeks? Something like that, but it was compounded because I was recovering from back surgery. 2017 was not good to us, y'all.
0: Yeah. Um... But yeah, she says uh, sometimes coping drives you crazy. Um,
1: mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> yeah. And her daughter, thankfully, and Joy's daughter, thankfully, isn't a carrier of the illness that has been afflicted, that has uh, will eventually kill Ricky. I think uh, ALD. Yeah, ALDs, yeah. ALD, so yeah. Um, and they're going to keep Ricky here at the hospital until his fever comes down. Uh, they may have to reduce the morphine because of it. And Joy says that. This was the hardest part when his brother Michael died, was balancing because he can't vocalize if he's in pain
1: mm-hmm.
0: or yeah. suffering in any way. Would not wish this on... Well, I would wish this on some people, but would not wish this on anyone. <laughs> I'm a spiteful person. Certainly certainly not an eight-year-old. No. Yeah. Um, and Doug says, you know, let's see what else we can give him. Doug. Hmm.
2: Duh, Douglas. What are you doing, Doug? This is one situation where if you don't come back with strippers and cocaine, I'm gonna be very upset. Because that's the only only acceptable solution here because any other thing is gonna get you in a lot more trouble. Uh, We go from there, we find out Mr. Haggerty, the gentleman that was brought in just a few moments ago, uh, has a blown pupil, may have a brain bleed. Check back in on him a little bit later. Uh, Romano and Anspar are now upstairs scrubbing in for their super fancy surgery. And of course, uh, Lizzie is joining them. And Romano is shit-talking Maggie Doyle, uh, so it's pretty clear who the uh, anonymous uh, complain- complainant, plaintiff, what's the word?
0: Complainer, I don't Complainer, know.
2: Complainer, I don't know, what, you know.
1: Submission of, submitter of the complaint.
2: Yeah, that, um, he's, <laughs> it's pretty, pretty clear that that's uh, who she was, Uh doesn't believe uh, lizzie speaks up for her and is like well i've always you know thought very highly of her i've always thought she could hold her own and he doesn't believe that and he's like says that it, he hears that she makes women uncomfortable which mm. hmm, hmm. Uh, and we hear from Anspa that she's being considered for chief resident which is news to not only romano but us as well because <laughs>
1: <Daniel>. <laughs> have we
2: heard anything about maggie in like a season
1: nope Daniel, that was the big part that I was going to say, was, like, when, when Spa said that, it's like, uh, the fuck?
2: Right? Like, okay. Have, and also, too, has she not been a third year her entire time on the show, like, since she got here yeah. two seasons ago? she
1: was...
0: No, she was, was an intern with Carter, wasn't she? No, what? she was
1: a year ahead of Carter, because that was the big thing, was she was working ahead of him.
0: Uh, because he yeah. had to start over. So she was an intern. Oh, that's what I'm thinking of, that she was an intern while he was a surgical intern. Yeah. So. Yeah.
2: Yeah, so, hmm, we will, Yeah, we will hear I mean, more about
0: this. And also, Maggie Doyle would not make me, un- well, would make me uncomfortable, not because she's a lesbian, but because she's a Blue Lives Matter gun, gun nut. Yeah. <laughs> um,
1: but I want to say, we need a, a friend of the show to do a timeline of Carter's goddamn rotations, please. <laughs> I don't even want to know. Which, Daniel, that's something I want to talk about in the book report, because they do bring that up. Oh, and, yeah. Oh, my God, like, I need, I need a graph.
2: Yeah, the length of Carter's rotations are a, a hot mess.
0: Is it like a Pepe Silva t- uh, style? I don't know. <laughs>
1: what that that
2: that, means. that might be what it the, deteriorates. The Always sunny. The the the, the, the red Day. yarn all over oh, the, they, the yeah. bulletin board. Yeah, um, yeah, it's a it's just a hot mess. But we go from there. We see uh, Mark talking to a neurologist during a trauma during the trauma on Mister Haggerty, uh, where he's about to do a burr hole in the ER uh, because Fun. neuro has declared they won't operate without further consult. Uh, the very panicked neurologist here <laughs> says that the chief of neurology can be down in 20 minutes, and Mark is like, "Yep, eh, YOLO. Yeah. Like, we're gonna do it we right just, here in the ER. We just
1: scolded a dude for trepanation a few episodes ago, but here we go.
0: Yeah. Yes, but this is supervised. That's right. This is in a controlled environment. That's right.
2: And it's Mark doing it, too, and Mark can do whatever he wants. Yeah. Um, And real, real gross visuals and audio here like the audio is real crunchy and squishy and just gross and the visual is not
0: much better see maybe i'm just used to it from watching gray's anatomy so much recently because there's a lot of focus on neurosurgery and they do a lot of this shit so i'm like whatever yeah. This is tame compared to some of the shit they show on they do on.
1: Listeners, show. if you want us to stop accidentally turning this into a hybrid gray show, please let us know. It's just on our house all the time, so
2: I'm slowing Daniel, down. Daniel, we don't about, we don't care that, What about the listener? What about me? I have we to don't, sit here with you.
1: We don't care about you. We care about our listenership. So <laughs>
2: Wow. Wow. The truth comes out. Yeah, was it, only, comes it only out. took wow. 103 episodes, but it finally right. came uh,
1: out. It looks like we're stopping at 103. <laughs> uh, sorry, guys. But yeah, no, seriously, if you guys want us to stop dropping the Grey's Anatomy shit, let us know. It's just, it's on in our house. It's, it's all also, the time.
0: now that it's so ingrained in my head with how much I've watched it It's recently. not your chief
1: medical show anymore. What? Or it's now, it's your chief medical show.
0: I mean, my current one, we're talking about still, ER is still my favorite but it's a trashy soap opera that still, like, will have parallels, especially as we move into the later seasons Fair. when ER tries to copy them poorly. They're just trying to survive. No.
1: Uh,
2: but, yeah, so getting back to the Mr. Haggerty's drama, the pupils are equal and reactive. Mark's Good. Mark did his job.
0: Yeah. And uh, Doug asks Mark how to account for a broken bottle of medicine from the study. He says the, the powder, because the medicine's like a powder that you mix with like mm-hmm. with water or something like yeah. that to uh make your pain relief medicine. Um it says there was powder in the envelope and Mark says they won't use all the envelopes anyway, so Doug just needs to make a note of it. Hmm. That one of them mm. was busted.
1: Yeah. Uh that's fine. That's yeah, nothing sauce about that at all. Um Daniel don't laugh at me for my current slang. I can be hip. <laughs> Uh,
0: Amoongous.
1: Mark is sending Mrs. Haggerty up to the surgical floor to wait for her husband. She can't hear what Mark is saying because Jerry is still DJing right next to them. And now he's got dumb sunglasses.
0: We we love our Jerry. We do.
1: We find out this is because he's like planning to DJ for a wedding and he's trying to practice. I'm here for Um, it. Of course he is. The the
0: legend of Jerry just grows. Yep. Can we have Abraham Ben-Ruby be the DJ at our wedding?
1: (laughs) Yes. Yes. I, I, he doesn't even need to say yes. I'm saying yes for him. Yes, he can DJ our, our wedding that we'll only have five people at. Uh, Doris, we find out, is the one that left Mr. Haggerty on site because she, because of the fire call. Uh, Mark says that he'll follow up on it and then tells Jerry, if you put that music back on, you're fired. Um, Jeannie is working with a girl who cut her fingertip off. Her name was Donna. And they are They are waiting on plastics. Daniel is just having a sheer muscle memory over there. Um, and Jeannie notes Doug recording the broken container. She mm. witnesses this. Uh, we go over to Mr. Ackerman, and he is still nauseous even with Zofran. Carol offers to get him a different anti-nausea medication, which he says will not work, and asks Carol if she can take him outside for fresh air so he can smoke his weed. He doesn't quite say it like that, but that's the gist of it.
0: Yeah. And Mark ends up attending the NASA presentation at the little med school auditorium whatever thing that they have uh there's lots of candidates for the program and uh doris shows up and pulls uh mark right back out of the presentation freaking out about being pulled off active duty and formal investigation and i just want to tell you that contraption that that dude was in for the demonstration of like a different (laughs) place it's so
1: stupid looking
0: the zero g or whatever yeah is
2: just what (laughs) it's so stupid looking
0: Because I guess they want to test, like, the effects of, like, muscle mass Mm -hmm. reduction in long-term space. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, like, people on the space station who have to be, like, helped out of their capsules when they return to Earth because their muscles are so weak.
1: It's like the the Martians when they come to uh, Earth in The Expanse.
0: Yes. But on a
1: small scale. Yes.
2: We go from there back down to check on Mr. Barnes, who uh, challenges Benton to an arm wrestling match for the uh, right to have surgery. Uh, he wants the surgery, even though Benton thinks he's too old. Uh, Lucy comes in and says that there's an OR available, uh, and they, they do this very cute little arm wrestle between the two of them. Uh, and I think the first time benton beats him it's one of the like they, no
1: the first time benton lets him win the that's second right time benton beats him but i also want to note that he's like well i cleared i cleared your god he doesn't say goddamn he's like i cleared your uh your psyche val and benton goes yeah well you didn't tell him that you were at Appomattox <laughs> it's
2: so good i love benton with this man i lo- i just want a whole show with the two of I them i feel
1: like i feel like we haven't gotten a ton of eric lasalle lately like i know we've gotten some re stuff Mm -hmm. but i feel like he has like and i'm excited now you know that that as much as i'm sad that ben day is over i'm really excited that we just get eric lasalle shining again and just doing shit like this
2: yeah and it's it's kind of rare that benton uh gets to form a connection with a patient like this that isn't like somber you know, like yeah. this is a happy connection he makes with this yeah. patient. Like,
1: And I, I want to point out, look how much he's grown. Yeah. This is so far from season one, Benton. Let's just take a minute and and applaud our boy.
2: Yeah, acknowledge him. Uh, we then see Mark is talking to the paramedics chief over the phone, insisting that he knows Doris and that she just needs coaching, not a formal review. Uh, you know, so he's sticking up for his girl, sticking up for Doris here. we We appreciate that.
1: Yep.
0: And a woman comes in asking for Doug. Uh, It's Heather. It's a lab tech. A very sultry lab tech. Mm -hmm. Uh, Brings the camera results. The powder he brought down. It was negative for codeine. So it is the the miracle drug, whatever it is.
2: Once again, straight out of the uh, why did they bother department, uh, they brought in Heather here all the way back from season three, where she made two brief appearances. Uh, And this is her final appearance. So two years after the fact, they decided to bring this poor woman back in for, you know, an afternoon of work. And then we're like, all right, we're good.
0: Never need you again. Well, because she also asks if he's back on the market to which he does the Doug. (laughs) Shuts her down right away to Doug's credit.
1: Yep Uh, because carol interrupts and is giving doug ricky's new vitals and doug is panicked that carol thinks it was something more with heather and he immediately was like that was nothing that was nothing i swear (laughs) that was good look at my hands they're clean we're good cool um and carol also then goes over and apologizes to carrie for the use of the lounge for the sti panel that lynette is running and carrie's like oh no it's fine i was shown the proposal last week i think it's great Like, go for it. Fine. The staff can gossip somewhere else for an hour. It's great. Um, And then Carol goes into the lounge, and it's all black women with Lynette. And they're having a great conversation. They're having a dialogue. They're doing exactly what the panel should be. And Carol decides she's going to chime in. With total wet blanket energy. These women all stop in their tracks. The shot of them all turning and facing her (laughs) is the best thing I have ever seen
2: all and all, it's ju- all that's missing is the record scratch noise.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and it's just it's so good and Carol's just like, "Okay, I'll leave you to it."
2: Does <laughs> the like Grandpa Simpson like just <laughs> grabs her hat back out the door?
1: Yeah. Ugh. So, holy shit. Um when we when we get to the the last bit for this um for this topic, I want to I I have words. All right.
2: Well, we go from here back to Jeannie's patient where the plastic surgeon has finally come down to check on the little girl with the finger issue. Uh, turns out they can't restore the fingertip too far gone. Uh, but he says that they can do the procedure to cover the injury right away. Uh, and our plastic surgeon here is played by actor Carl Lumbly who appeared in stuff like men of honor, uh, the TV series alias. And he was also the voice of Martian Manhunter in justice league, the animated series, uh, I I just thought it was funny that Martian Manhunter came up in like an episode like one or two ago, and here it is again, coming up again. So, why Martian Manhunter would come up twice on an ER podcast, I have no idea. Yeah, because
0: Genie was dating the Martian Manhunter there for a minute there.
2: Was that Greg? Was that
0: uh, Obama? Uh, That was Obama. Obama? Yeah. Yeah. It's
2: Obama. It's Obama.
0: Yeah. He is officially revealed in Zack Snyder's Justice League to be the Martian Manhunter. So, then it's three times on an ER
2: podcast we've brought up Martian Manhunter. Uh, but, uh, he, Carl Lumley here has 120 credits to his name and he's making his first of two appearances here as Dr. Baker, which I don't think we get his name here. We get his name a little later in the episode, but
1: we sit on his jacket, but that's about it.
2: Yeah. Uh, and Jerry is now playing not rap at the desk. He has shifted over to major Tom by David Bowie, uh, which, uh, has kind of an interesting effect on Mark with all the NASA stuff like he has kind mm-hmm. of a pensive look to him about it and it it gave me a moment where like i kind of wish that this NASA stuff meant a little bit more to his overall story arc like cuz it really doesn't this is very much mm-hmm. a footnote in Mark's grand story um uh, but the way that this music and it's such a cool song and it's such a nice song that mm-hmm. I kind of wished it played more into his story and I wish it kind of had a greater effect on him as a person because when we get to, you know, the the stuff in season eight, like, I think that could have been a cool sort of mm. like, you know, he, you know, his spirit, you know, it w- ascended into space, that kind of thing. Like that kind of like his spi- like that, not not like in a sci-fi sort of way, but just sort of yeah. like that that would have been more a part of his character that he had this fascination with space and he always wanted to go beyond just a
1: doctor yeah i love earlier when the guy goes you know we all talk about like space and blah 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 and you know there's all these like cliche reasons people want to do it and he goes you sir who came in late yeah. who are you and why did you want to do it and Mark's like, adventure the vastness yeah adventure yeah. like
2: it, it, it clearly um, has some sort of re- resonance for him here and I, I, I know that part of his reaction to this song is him coming to terms with the fact that this is a silly dream and it's an old dream and it doesn't mean as much to him as it used to but there was just that brief moment in it's part of it is just Anthony Edwards is so good, but part, yeah. of, but there was a brief, brief moment there where I was like, man, I wish this mattered more than it does. Cause it really mm-hmm. doesn't. But.
1: but yeah. So Mark does yell at Jerry for playing more music. And then immediately a guy from chairs comes out and goes, can you put Bowie back on?
0: <laughs> yeah, I for one believe that Starman is the uh, superior space, space, ba- space themed David Bowie song.
1: That's just because of how well it's used in the Martian.
0: Yeah. Gonna need a montage.
1: It's such montage. a good montage. It's so good.
0: Uh, but Doug is giving Joy the magic medicine, and he tells her not to fill out, don't bother with that, all the forms in the envelope because Ricky isn't a candidate for the study. And she's like, "What the, what the hell's going? What?" what?
2: <laughs> that, that, that's never a red she's
0: flag. So, she, she's so con- she's so like genuinely innocently confused. Um, like, then
1: why am I getting this?
2: Yeah just somebody waving their hands and going like, yeah, you don't need to worry about that. That's always a red flag kids. Like anytime anybody in a professional context is just like, yeah, 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 yeah. Don't worry about all that. That's just paperwork. Uh, always a red flag.
1: Uh, Uh, Jeannie yells at Dr. Baker again for how he treated Donna and is like, you can't just fucking walk over her. Like she's a person you swept right by her and didn't even address her concerns at all. Um, we also go back over to, uh, the OR where Lucy is so excited for scrubbing in on her first day for her surgery rotation on Charlie. Um, Benton is quizzing her as they scrub and she gets it right. And he's like, all right, you're good. Um, And it's her first time in an OR and they go in and it's very sweet. Benton like is telling her like where to put her hands, like has Shirley kind of guide her to the right spots and everything. And just, just very good. Such a 180 from Carter's first day in the (laughs) OR. And it's just, uh, So good. But then Charlie starts to crash. Oh, no. And he can't have surgery now because they have to take him to the ICU.
2: I love Lucy's one big question as they're coming into the OR is, what happens if I have an itch? Yeah. (laughs) and He's he's like, tell a nurse where to scratch.
1: Yeah.
0: And uh, let's go over to our first audio for the episode. Uh, Mark is standing out in the ambulance bay watching the snow.
1: Hey. How long until spring? I think this is the shortest day of the year, is it? Uh, no, that's December. We're way past that. I made up my mind. I'm not going to Houston. Really? It's an old dream. You fooled me. I thought you were ready to blast off. I realized I didn't want to go. <laughs> I don't want to go anywhere. This is what I do. This is where I belong. Yeah. Lost that old restlessness, huh? I guess. Coming in? Yeah. Come on in. It's cold! <laughs> it's cold! Also, RIP
0: astronaut Mark Green, uh, tw- 1999 to 1999.
1: Mm. <laughs> we hardly 90, knew ye. Yeah. E. Also love love the sound of the L tracks back there, so good.
0: Was
2: that mm. was that the last organic Doug and Mark moment?
1: I think it might be. Like
2: we're gonna get. Obviously, they're gonna get a like big denouement moment. Obviously, after all the the events of the two parter that's coming up, uh, we know that. But like. Is this the last time we get to see the two of them just shooting the shit at work and like having a normal one? I think so. Maybe.
1: Also, oh God, I didn't I, think about that. I hadn't even realized. I was thinking about this when we saw this scene. I was like, we haven't seen them shoot hoops in forever either. Yeah, I haven't seen
2: winner. the hoops in, I don't think at all this season, maybe.
1: Right.
0: Yeah. They are still but there. Yeah, they are I present in later seasons. So
1: I think this is the last big organic Mark and Doug moment because from here on out, you're going to have the fallout from... Yeah, it's
2: going to get real messy real you're gonna, fast. Have, yeah, which... You're going to have the
0: build-up and fallout from Doug's departure events. Yeah. And, and,
1: then, Mark, and then he's gone.
2: Yeah. yeah. Hmm.
1: That's a bummer. It is. I'm, I'm glad yeah. but I'm glad we
2: glad I'm I'm glad that we grabbed that audio though because it I think it's important to note those little moments because that's what's so great about doing the show in the way we're doing it is that mm-hmm. you know obviously the stuff that sticks with you is the stuff that is memorable. You know, it's the stuff that it's it is that conversation the two of them have by the lake just before yeah. Mark or just before Doug walks out the door for the last time. And yeah. This is not a moment that anybody would ever point to or ever talk about or ever because it 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 revolves around this uh, dead end storyline of Mark flirting Mm -hmm. with a career in NASA that lasts two episodes and means nothing. And yet it is. It's probably the last organically real moment between these two really good friends who very, very soon are going to have to go their separate ways, and nobody would ever spend more than 10 seconds talking about it unless they were doing something like this and going through everything in, in a fine-tooth comb.
0: So. I, yeah, I totally wasn't even anticipating that aspect. I wasn't of it. either. I, was like, oh, I oh, did not mark that down in like, my oh, notes,
2: but then I just started thinking about it as I was listening to it. I was like, wow, this is a really nice moment. Oh, shit, I don't think we have many
0: more of these left. Like, Yeah, we just hadn't we just hadn't had a good Mark and Doug bro moment in a while, yeah. so I thought...
1: Does the basketball come back? I know it's not yeah, going it to be does. with Mark and Doug.
0: It does, yeah, like, trust me. Yes, it does. It,
2: everything that I've heard is that you know, obviously the the whole reason that the the basketball even became a thing was because of Clooney, that he right. was always playing it on the set, and so obviously when he left, that became less of a a thing. Right. And I would imagine, I would imagine, given how you know reverent this show is to its own history, I would wager to bet that they left that in as kind of a tribute thing to him going forward like they kind of just continued to write that in as kind of a nod mm-hmm. to their friend who was no longer around
0: because there's really I no have, other purpose dis- for it i have distinct memories of mark talking with carter while shooting oh yeah about, well there's a very that's later in season seven and
2: yeah eight. i mean i think it's Orion ryan in the sky i want to say yes. opens with yes. mark playing basketball so i mean it's definitely yeah, still around right. But um
1: It's just been so long that we've seen it and it was such a constant plot device early yeah. on that I was just like, uh
2: Yeah. <laughs> All right. But uh we go from there, we see Carol telling Lynette uh that she feels like she went out of her way not to involve her in the uh STI support group or what what were we panel, panel or whatever, whatever they were yeah. calling it. Community uh community hours. Yeah. Yeah. And and makes note that it was only black women in the room. Uh which Lynette defends uh, her position that, you know, women talk more freely among their own, which, you know, Carol comes back with a lot of whataboutism of like, well, Vietnamese women have this, then Hispanic women are this, that, you know, it's like, it's again, that, that yeah. zero sum approach to stuff of like, well, if black people are getting something, then everybody else, like, what about everybody else? And it's like,
1: it's, it's like the big problem with left Twitter, ex- with leftist Twitter. That's like it. If it's not perfect, it's not good mm. enough. Yeah. Okay. And it's, okay. it's you're it's you're certainly whole...
2: winning Jake over with this argument, so I want. Like... Well, no, I know, cause,
1: <laughs> but it's like, cause again, it's like you know, instead of looking at the good that's being done with what Lynette has set up here mm-hmm. and what it could become and what it could grow into and the trust in a community that's so often going to mistrust the medical establishment mm-hmm. for very good reason. Instead of looking at the perspective of that, she's too busy being caught in, like you mentioned, the whataboutism, the things that are being excluded, the things that aren't being covered. And it's like, yes, but you've got to start somewhere.
2: Yeah, and I, I think I would argue, too, that Carol's motivations for her whataboutism are uh, a little hollow because I and, – mm-hmm. and I could be just projecting here, but, like, I don't feel like – but I, I just don't feel like I believe or I don't feel like I buy – that Carol is so deeply invested in the issues facing Hispanic and Vietnamese women, as so, so so much as yeah. she is motivated by the fact that she was uncomfortable being the only white woman in a group full of black women. Like that's yeah. that's my call. Yeah. I think it's more See, about her feeling uncomfortable and wanting Lynette to know she was uncomfortable than it is about her feeling
0: like these other groups are being excluded. Yeah, yeah. See, whereas I whereas I was like, oh yeah, no, of course Lynette's in the right here because. With my group there pre-pandemic, when we could actually like all meet in person, right. mm-hmm. uh, the group there one of the group therapies groups that I was a part of was exclusively for trans folks. Yeah, mm-hmm. so, and everyone, including the person who uh, ran it, was either non-binary or trans. Mm-hmm. So, and I had more frank discussions in that group, and I got more out of that group than I did of any other that I had, even within the same organization. Right. You want the same LGBT organization, but you know, not having cis people in the room meant I could open up more about dysphoria, right. and different gender issues and stuff like that. So and people and I knew people would get it.
1: Yeah. It's the same with like me finding the epilepsy support group online. Yeah. Like, yeah, you guys are great and wonderful and supportive and I love you, but like there's some times where you're not you're just you're not gonna get what the fear of a, being about to have a seizure feels right. like.
0: Yeah, you could talk about that in a normal yeah. group therapy session, but knowing you it get so much more out of it being w- among your own. Yeah, being among your own. Yeah, So be it black people, white people, whatever, whatever yeah. you transgender people, whatever.
2: Yeah, I'm I'm totally team Lynette here. I think I, yeah. I think Carol is 100% in the wrong. I think that she I, I think that it's about a power dynamic thing where she's mm-hmm. she's mad that she was excluded from the whole process to begin with, and the you know discomfort thing of going into that room and feeling so othered and feelings it's yeah.
1: and and I'll say this um it doesn't happen terribly often because of how segregated Chicago is, but when I've gone into work situations or you know transit situations where I'm in an area or a population where I'm the minority, it is really fucking weird to me being a white woman. Mm-hmm. And being in that situation. And it's like it's something that I'm trying to check my discomfort on more and more and going, Now why do I feel uncomfortable? Right. And like why do I expect others to be in the opposite situation to feel fine with it? Yeah. So yeah, Carol's definitely in the wrong. Go Lynette. Yeah. Just mm.
2: Yeah, I was there was a brief moment where I was concerned. I was like, Ooh, is this the last time we're gonna see Because, like mm-hmm. the 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 shit's about to hit the fan here very soon, so it's like, whoa. Uh, but no, we still have a few more appearances of Lynette, but she is rounding the, the corner. We only have a couple more. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: Uh, but for now we go to, uh, see Donna's finger getting stumped, which is just a horrid sentence in a vacuum. Uh, how
1: else would I put it? Yeah.
2: How else could you put it? Fixed. Yeah. Uh. But it's not really getting fixed
1: because they're not putting it back on. No, but they are
2: giving her a prosthetic tip. Uh, just the tip though. Uh. (laughs) Thank you. You
1: did it so I didn't have to. Just (laughs) as you
2: She, uh. And she's asking about computer games in a very because Jeannie has very cute banter with her that tells her that mm-hmm. uh, you know after the surgery she won't be she will still be able to play her music, but she won't be able mm-hmm. to play video games anymore, and that her dad paid her paid Jeannie to say that. I
1: love that
2: Jeannie Jeannie's really good with kids. I really like mm-hmm. Jeannie. So we go from there, we see Doris thanking Mark for stepping in for her uh, as we also see Jerry taking requests from chairs. Sweet baby Jerry.
0: so good. And uh, Doyle says that Mr. Ackerman wants to say goodbye to Carol. And Joy asks for Doug so she can get a clarification on the medicine, but Doug isn't available. So Mark offers to help, and she totally accidentally rats Doug out for giving away the clinical trial medication Uh. to little Ricky. Mm.
1: Well, does your son have a fracture? No. Well, do do you have your trial packet? Oh, he told me not to fill that out. Ugh. Oh, yeah. (sighs) I could just see Douglas Ross. I could just see everything imploding as this conversation went on. And Mark um, Anthony Edwards acting here is so good. Yeah.
2: Good. Very good. Nonverbal stuff. Like just, you could see him like connecting the dots in his head and like, and, and not Mm -hmm. only you can see him connecting the dots, but you could see him getting angry about it, but without Mm -hmm. like getting visibly upset. Right. But you can just see him being like this son of a bitch. Mm
1: hmm. Uh, then Carol goes in to say goodbye to Mr. Ackerman since his son will not be able to be there until the morning. And she finally opens the window and closes the blinds to the ER. So if there's fresh air coming in, um, but the ER can't see into the room. Turns off his oxygen so he can smoke his joint. He tries, but can't inhale because his lungs are so messed up at this point. So she actually lights the joint and blows the smoke into his mouth. Because of how bad his cancer is, so she does she does the breathing for him essentially, and Lizzie thought this was real fucking weird. It's, it's a it weird,
2: like, mo- it's kind of weirdly erotic, like yeah. I was
1: gonna say it's like it's oddly sexual. Yeah, it's I didn't which I didn't get that read at no,
2: all. I, I I'm I'm definitely right there with you, Lizzie. The whole time I was watching, it, I was like, mm, this is weird. This is a choice. Like we're doing it this way, huh? Like. All right.
1: I think it's just because it's such an intimate and close act that it can yeah. feel erotic, but I don't know if I would necessarily assign erotic to it just off the bat. Yeah, I
2: don't know. It just, something about it didn't sit right with me. I was like, mm. This was
0: the one, like, scene I remember distinctly from this episode. Yeah. Because it's just so I didn't weird. connect the
2: dots at the beginning of the episode, but as soon as I saw her start doing the thing with the blinds, I was like, oh no, yeah. we're doing this. <laughs> oh no.
1: Shouldn't be smoking this joint. <laughs> um, but then Mark goes and looks in the drug locker for the ki- clinical trial, and Carol comes in, says she's headed home, and Mark asks if she knew anything about Doug giving Ricky the pain medicine. She was like, "I'm sure there's an explanation."
2: Is there though? Is there? Oh, Douglas, 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 Douglas. Uh, we go from there. We see Doctor Baker thanking Jeannie for her assistance today. Thanks her. F- thanks her for putting him in his place. Uh, when it came to Donna. Uh, and then asks her if she wants to go to the art institute with him uh, and he mentions that uh, his partner both in practice and his wife uh, died a few years ago and her name was Jenny uh, which I think earlier didn't he call her Jenny like yep. mistakenly and she corrected him to Jeannie uh, yeah I don't know some this which this has only got one more appearance. Obviously this doesn't really go much of anywhere. It's just kind of a little brief detour before we dive headfirst into uh the Reggie stuff with Jeannie. But I don't buy these two. Like I don't I don't feel any I don't nah. feel any spark here. This does not spark any joy. Not for not. one thing, I think he looks too old for her. Like he's yep. he he plays bit. I mean, I don't know exactly how old the actor is, but he plays like at least a solid ten to fifteen years older than her.
0: Mm-hmm. And uh, let's go to our next audio clip here. Doyle is working on a gentleman in sutures and Corday comes down for a surgical consult. You're a sweet angel. Called for consult?
1: Yeah, self-inflicted wounds, Quite a few of them. Mr. Michaels gave me a little suturing refresher.
2: She's my angel.
1: That is not what he was calling me before the owl doll. Belly seems benign, no blood in the urine, but these two needed two-layer closures. Good bowel sounds, belly's soft. Uh, I wanted to mention to you I have been having a problem with...
0: Dr. Romano. Uh, yeah. Harry spoke with me this
2: morning without actually saying it was you. I'm sorry I didn't ask before dragging your name into it.
0: Well, uh, I don't think I can be of any help. Oh, no sign of any intra-abdominal bleed.
1: He's got another one on his back. We'll have to lift him. You know, I was hoping that Romano would cool it if I confronted him, but instead he threatened to blast me on my evaluation. You got him? Yeah. Dr. Romano can be volatile. Yeah, you mean he's a, a mean-spirited little power-monger? <laughs> that, too. Well, the kidneys look fine as well. Oh, there's the Mr. Michaels I know and love. <laughs> look, um Romano, he likes to push things to the limit. Guess he thought anything goes with the gay check. Well, I just hope you're not um, going out on a limb. He's a star. Self-respect's a bitch.
2: Is it just me, or does Lizzie kind of suck this episode? Yep. A little bit. She's a little bit of a sexual harassment apologist. A little
1: bit. A little bit. Yeah, and I'm not, I'm not okay think, with it. I think she's also a little bit in denial on just how bad it is.
2: Yeah, yeah maybe that's part of it, too. But I don't know, like, just that, that whole thing of, like, oh, you know, I hope you're not going out on a limb. He's a star.
1: Who gives a fuck about
2: him? He's a creep.
1: Like, yeah. I think she more means, like, Kind of like the whole Vuselich situation, like watch out because he's you know not well, necessarily respected yeah, you could be in right. the community, but but from a power dynamic situation that you know it's you versus him, yeah. And he's well, you could be
2: right. That, that I, I took a different read on that, but you could absolutely be right that it's more of like watch your ass. Like he's very powerful and he can fuck up your career if you let him.
1: That whereas, whereas I read it rated. more
2: of like. Mm, he's really good you wouldn't want to fuck up his career because that would be a loss to so no, many people like
1: that's that's not at all that's not at all how I read that
2: maybe it's just because I'm, I'm so like disappointed in the way that she reacts in this episode like I'm so disappointed in the way that she approaches it Um, but again like Lizzie said the, the context of future stuff you see kind of her background and you see where she came from right. I mean that's good storytelling that they give give context to yeah. that
1: I think it's also kind of her "why bother" attitude. Like it's not going to come to anything, so why are you doing this to yourself?
2: Yeah, but, which but also doesn't make a ton of sense either because she just went through that herself with her whole paper thing, with you know people telling her why bother publishing this paper. It's not going to change anything, you know, and her wanting to push back on that and be like, "No, I did." Like even if it isn't going to change anything it, for myself, I still have to do this, you know, kind of thing.
1: But, but like you said with the whole old boys club, she might not equate. The sexual harassment thing is being as severe as the busted system. True,
2: true. Yeah, I don't know.
1: Because there's plenty of women today who still don't. Yeah. No,
2: you're absolutely right. You're so. absolutely right. It's, it's a very real depiction. And weird little footnote to this scene here. Our patient, who you hear intermittently spurs throughout there, Mr. Michaels, who has self-inflicted stab wounds. They kind of uh, gloss mm-hmm. right over that. Um, he's played by actor Brian Turk, who appeared in stuff like the TV series Carnival, The Lost World, and AI, Artificial Intelligence. And he passed away in two thousand and nine, in 2019, excuse me. Uh, I just wanted to, even though he's not a super memorable character, anytime somebody is in an episode that's no longer with us, I feel yeah. like, especially these minor characters, probably nobody's ever talked about them ever <laughs> since yeah. then. So I feel like it's worth a mention.
1: Uh, Jeannie then runs into Reggie on her way out, and she says she can't hang out for a second night of shooting pool because... She is going to the art institute, so she can't go out.
0: I'd much rather go shoot pool with a handsome man than go to the art institute.
1: <laughs> what about going to the art institute with a handsome lady? Wait, cute lady. That could be a handsome lady.
2: I love Reggie's. Mm. I love Reggie's reaction to her. She's like, "I'm going to the thing at the art institute." He's like, "Say no more," and leaves. Like he yeah. wants no part of it. Yep.
1: Yeah, he's like, "Nope, I'm good."
0: Yeah. I think I'd still rather go shoot pool, just because I'd actually, I actually enjoy pool. So.
1: Anybody want to go to the art institute with me? I have a membership. <laughs>
0: Just throwing it out there. Uh, let's go to our next audio clip. Where the uh, I'll talk about this afterwards, but it's a little anticlimactic. But uh, Mark is talking with Carrie about the Doug situation. I am so pissed. I almost went straight to ANSPA. What the hell was Doug thinking?
1: Well, it certainly wasn't about county. If we were exposed for breaking protocol on a federally funded trial... They
0: cut off research money and Medicare payments for years, not to
1: mention that it's against the law. They brought me the study. I got him on board. Mark, given the implications, I, I don't think we have any choice but to handle this internally. Cover it up. Mm-hmm. Handspuff finds out, he has to react. Nice position he put us in, huh? Mark, you're the key to the pain study cabinet. Doug, why don't you come in and take a seat? Take a seat. You, I'm Chris Hansen. You had to
0: make <laughs> the fat jokes, and you couldn't make this scene another minute longer.
2: Right, yeah. There's so much, there's so much more meat on the bone with this episode that is... Yeah.
0: Mm. It's the episode of missed Opportunity. It really is,
2: yeah. Also because I have zero, like, I have such a hard time believing that Carrie's gut reaction wouldn't be to immediately go for his head. Like, wouldn't immediately yeah. be the scorched earth approach and be like, I get to fucking kill Doug Ross's career? Let me at him. Like, she's been waiting for this moment for two years, at least. Like you mean to tell me that I think her she, I her think gut she, reaction is like, no 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 no, let's keep this quiet.
0: But so yeah. Anticlimactic.
2: Yeah. This should be better. <laughs> I mean it just it should. Like it just it's this this is a moment like because we know what it leads to, and what it leads to is a really exciting story and a very, you know, it's a good ending for Doug. But like, this is where it all starts to like ramp up or it should be, and it's like just kind of like just kind of you know doesn't mean anything
1: what do you want me to do it yeah
2: <laughs> but we go from there we get one final scene of lucy and benton observing charlie uh still no changes or consciousness uh no spontaneous eye opening no speaking he does respond to painful stimuli uh and yeah it's just this is a sad this is the end of the story for mr barnes there's no update to this in future episodes we don't really find out anything and it's it's kind of a bummer but
1: i i choose to believe he gets better and goes and hangs up with loretta on a farm
2: (laughs) him and loretta in the uh the pleasant patient farm in the sky uh yeah i this is a really good uh, really good benton and lucy stuff this episode like to me they're kind of the stars of this episode I really yep. like them together. Um, and he's so much better with Lucy than he was with Carter, which is another growth moment for Benton as a character, like good consistent character growth that he learned from the mistakes he made with Carter and is applying them differently with Lucy. Like
0: Carter, I mean, not uh, Carter, but Lucy seems less bumbling idiot than Carter. She was. also seems yeah.
2: less uh, concerned with Benton's uh, fatherly approval. Like ben, Like Carter yeah. is like, Carter was so desperate for Benton to like him in addition to being a good doctor. Like, he, it was mo- it was so much more personal for Carter than it is for Lucy. Like, Lucy wants to do well, it seems like, but Lucy doesn't seem yeah. to bend over backwards to be like, uh, do you love me? Like, do you love me? Like,
1: well, I'd also say, look at what she's just dealt with for the past X amount of weeks. Anybody's going to be a breath of fresh air after also Carter. Also true. Yeah.
0: All right, let's go to our final scene of the episode and also our final audio clip. Uh, Doug is explaining... The whole situation to
1: carol and then to top it off he goes to carrie weaver instead of coming uh, to me but you gave joy the meds well yeah mark said himself that he wasn't going to use all the samples that's not the
0: point though is it
1: well what is the point
0: that breaking research protocol could damage the hospital's funding
1: Mm. so you uh, you agree with him
0: no i i see their point
1: You know how sick that kid is.
0: Yeah. But that decision could have a much larger impact.
1: Right. The hospital is only at risk if someone goes out of their way to report me. And believe me, it kills Carrie Weaver not to be able to do that. (laughs) I don't know what to say, Doug.
0: Doug,
1: don't walk away. Doug, the mental gymnastics he's doing, Jesus. Oh yeah,
2: I know. And like, and you know it's bad too. when even Carol's like, "Come on, man. <laughs> like, yeah. you know you you, you know you're kind of wrong here, right?" Mm.
0: Oof. Just this one. This one, I'm going to call the episode, like I said before, it's the episode of Best Opportunities. Yeah. This is this
2: is de- most definitely the weak link in the Doug exit chain. Like, there's a yeah. there's a run of episodes, really, that starts, at, well, I don't know. Because I guess you could really cordon off the Amanda Lee stuff as it's kind of its own thing. And then you could argue this is really where the the story shifts to being all about Doug's exit. 12 through 15 is really all about Doug's exit. And this is a little bit of a stumble coming out of the blocks. It's a, there's really good stuff in here. Don't get me wrong. Like there is, um, all of the stuff with Benton and Lucy. Great. And there's good stuff in there with Doug too. And I just wish that they had spent a little bit more time fleshing that out than Mm -hmm. spending time making fat jokes And honestly, the whole Mark thing, get rid of it. Like, it just just doesn't matter. Like, if you're not going to make it a bigger part of his character and not going to make it matter more to him uh, in the long term, then why not get rid of it and dedicate more time to making Doug's thing matter and going back and and giving us that that incredible dinner between those four characters? Like, is there ever going to be a time when those – four characters are on screen at the same time in a non-hospital setting. No, that would have been the only one. Like I just I don't know. Yeah, missed opportunities.
1: <sighs> you guys you guys said it better than I could, but I'm going to I'm going to challenge myself this week to do what I said I was going to do last week and start being a little bit harsher on my uh, on my ratings and I'm going to say this one was a solid 7. It moved a lot of things forward that needed to be moved forward, but Like we said, missed opportunities. You know, there was some stuff that just missed the landing. So the good stuff was good, but the stuff that was lacking just fell through. So I'm going to give it a seven this week. Yeah.
0: That's about where I'm at. Six
2: and a half, six, six to seven is I think where I'm at, where it's just the, I really like a lot of things about it, but I, there's just so much more meat on the bone that I feel like they left behind that could have made this like an all time great, because I'm, I think what's so disappointing is that I know how much better this story gets over the next three episodes. And mm-hmm. it feels like this is not setting that up properly. Like if it doesn't feel like mm-hmm.
0: it's not setting it's, yeah, it's not
2: setting the tone for what's coming after it. It just feels very anticlimactic, and maybe that's what the goal was a little bit—is to like undercut and and make you not think it's going to be that big of a deal, and then it turns into an even bigger deal. But I uh, just I don't know, mixed bag.
0: Lauren, what the listeners think about this one?
1: Uh, we start off with Andrea B. says, Poor Carter, he really does not know his way around a kitchen. I fear this with our younger generations with DoorDash being so accessible. Please, please teach your kids to cook, even if it's just the basics. Lauren, interjection here, I'm not too concerned. I was a complete latchkey kid, and I managed just fine. So, I like, I, I think kids will, all children will be able to learn to cook an egg and make toast. So, I think we'll be okay. Um... Going back to Andrea's comment, okay, was I the only one who cringed with Mark coring the guy's head? Not the act itself, but the sounds. Nails on a chalkboard, anybody? I would have loved to see a little more on the NASA storyline. NASA is kind of a special thing in my family, as my grandfather worked for the campus in California. Oh, neat. Really cool. Um, at Baker Basic on Twitter says, Oh God, it's the start of the storyline with Romano. He has never made me more mad than in this storyline. It's also the start of Doug's exit story. I think I remember a lot less of the show than I thought, which I just feel bad for Joy. I mean, he flies, he just flies so close to the sun and still doesn't get fired. I'm rather impressed. Also, Mark and NASA. I love it. Also, Lucy starting her surgical rotation is nice because she won't be criticized by John Truman Carter III at every single point. At SMB for the win says, "Is it horrible of me that I wanted Mark to go off to NASA so the impending decline in Elizabeth's <laughs> love life and personality could be avoided?" No, just me. I said what I said. Also, I'm pissed at this harassment storyline for multiple reasons. One, Doyle basically gets left out of her own story in favor of Elizabeth. Two, Lizzie is late the the Epiphany game late. I think late to the Epiphany game on why she got fired. Three, it's a blatant reminder that workplace harassment is frequent and normalized on the show. And four, we never see any consequences for the men perpetuating the harassment.
2: Excellent points all around. That's, yeah. The, no, the first one especially, too. Like, that's, I I really hate that when they do that. I really hate when uh, a character gets left out of their own storyline. Like that was a thing that happened last season with uh, Delamico. We talked about with the Max stuff. Like it became all about Max and Carter, and Delamico was like sidelined to like third position in her own story. And Doyle is doing kind of the same thing here. Like Doyle is getting sidelined in favor of Lizzie and Romano, and that sucks.
0: All right. Well, that's about gonna wrap up our episode for today. Thank y'all very much for listening. As always, the show is brought to you in part by our patrons over at Patreon. dot com slash the tone podcast, including Marielle. <laughs> Uh, this, for only dollar a month, you can, you can get access to our show notes each week, and for only $5 a month, you can get a free sticker featuring our favorite desk clerk, Cherry. Two-week early access to all of our cast and crew interviews, and over 20 hours of bonus audio and video content, including the full season recap episodes, a bonus show called The Lounge, where we talk about whatever's going on for us in the, our lives at the moment, movie reviews, where we t- talk about a movie featuring an ER cast member, and flash-forwards, where we do a commentary track for future ER episodes. We would also appreciate it if you would follow us on our social media accounts we are at set the tone ER on twitter we are on facebook at facebook.com slash the tone podcast and we are at saying the tone podcast on instagram also be sure to check out the official saying the tone community on facebook our theme music is provided to us by andrew m edwards and daniel where can folks find you at
2: you can find me on instagram at dan.u that is y-o-u.el you can also find me on my other podcast the popular court with my co-host jake terrell where we do a different pop culture topic each episode and put it through a little mock trial
0: And Lauren, where can folks find you at?
1: Folks can find me on my Twitter at lowbob92345.
0: You can also find me on Twitter. I am at randomgamer, that's jm 3 r as well as on the Popular Court's YouTube channel doing a Let's Play of Mass Effect 2. New episodes of that are out every Friday, and you can find those videos and much, much more at youtube.com slash Court. Thanks again, everyone, very much for listening. Please join us again next time, and have a great week. Conglomerate that I'm not a part of. All right, I'm gonna. I'm gonna.
1: I live to be a disappointment. (laughs) Hey, that's my
0: line. There's the B-roll.